welcome to another episode of Why Did I Like It? I am the nefarious Mike A. Sims, and today I'm going to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart. Now, recently, the overlord went through a couple boxes in his uh, basement, and he found Spider-Man toys. Now, I love Spider-Man as much as the next person, but there is a team that in the 90s for me was the epitome of superhero culture. I'm talking about the X-Men. Now, I wish that copyright laws weren't so aggressive because I would love to sing that theme song right now, but just Google it. The 1990s X-Men theme song, it's legendary. Anyway, let's get right into it because it's a lot of information. So on October 31st, 1992 the X-Men animated series debuted. Now, this is the second attempt by the Fox Kids Network or by an executive at Fox to get an X-Men cartoon popping. The first time was when they did this TV movie called X-Men Pride of the X-Men. That was in 1989. It wasn't picked up. But the person who pushed for it, whose name escapes me, she actually ended up being a high-ranking executive at Fox later on and was like, we doing that X-Men thing. And they were like, you really, you really bought that X-Men action? She's like, yes. I'm assuming that's how the conversation went. I wasn't there. But if I had to be a betting man, like if you made me start betting, then I'd be like, this is how it went. Anyway, so Saban Entertainment decided to produce the show, but they were like, yeah, we don't have the staff to produce it. (laughs) So then they were like, since poop rolls downhill, Graz Entertainment was brought in to actually do legwork for like uh, creative stuff like writing, storyboarding, all that kind of stuff. Then the voice work was done out of Canada and a South Korean studio called Acom did the animation. And this is like part of the course. Even now, like Boondocks, this cartoon from the mid-2000s that I love, the animation was done out of Korea as well. So it's, it's a typical thing. But what happens, though, is, you know, Fox in the beginning had a bunch of issues because they were telling these animators to do all this work and at this pace so at this time. And they were just kind of like, yeah, whatever. So the first episode was actually unfinished. And Fox was like, you better finish it. You better finish it. And they were like, no. And they were like, can you guys just try? And they were like, no. And then Fox was like, we're going to sue you. And they're like, this is not America. We don't care about getting sued. What are you going to do? Come to Korea and get our money? Yeah, go ahead and come for it. This is how the conversation also went. And if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on this because this is a weird thing to bet on. Long story short, they ended up fixing the episodes and the first two episodes aired and it was a huge success. The The team, the X-Men team itself, not the team who created it, was based around my personal favorite incarnation of the entire crew, which was based on Jim Lee's uh, drawn art style, of the 1999 X-Men, sorry, 1990 X-Men comics that he usually illustrated alongside writer Chris Claremont. So you had Professor X, Jubilee, Gambit, Beast, Storm, Rogue, Wolverine, Jean Grey, and Cyclops. Longtime listeners of the show and even the YouTube version back in the day know that I did an entire episode based around my love for Scott Summers and how this show in particular was key in me being obsessed with Cyclops. Scott Summers is Cyclops' real name. It's also funny that Jean Grey's name is just Jean Grey. They're like... I just, I, it just, this is real time. I just realized that I listed a bunch of silly names, actually awesome names, and then just stopped to say a regular name in between it. I mean, even the the leader of the squad, well, not the leader, Cyclops is the leader, but like the mentor to the squad is like, nah, 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 call me Professor X. And y'all, y'all are the X-Men. I'm sure Jubilee, Rogue, Storm, and Jean Grey were like, um, and he was like, 
Is it still the 90s? We don't have to care yet. But yeah, so Jean Grey was just Jean Grey. Like, what if they, who was it? Who, who were the people? And they all wore costumes, you know, because it was a superhero movie. It was a TV show. But like, <laughs> like, people could just find her. Villains are like, she said her name was Jean Grey. Let's just Google her and go to her house and murk her. Like, oh, speaking of murk, actually, there was also another person on the team in the first couple episodes. His name was Morph, and Morph was actually, and this is no joke, he was, like, killed. He eventually came back because, you know, superheroes. But he was killed in, like, the first couple episodes. So to see somebody get murked on a TV show that was for kids was unreal. But it literally, like, set the tone for the rest of the run of the show. Because this show, no joke, I did a lot of research on this. And, like, most people who do base-level requirements for something that they're pursuing, I want recognition and acknowledgement for this. So the show no joke tackled subjects like and i wrote these down <laughs> i don't know why i'm laughing at the first one racism bigotry divorce aids christianity and the holocaust specifically geared towards uh jewish character magneto because he his whole backstory stems from the you know, holocaust and, and and things like that which is it was really <laughs> It really made this character very believable and sympathetic because you understood where his anger came from. Because, okay, let's just, uh, I guess, keep going then. I had a whole thing, but anyway, so a lot of the storylines, because they were based around these these topics, tended to be, you know, allegories or, or, or expies of something that had happened. So the mutants are pursued by, by humans because they're, they're outsiders, because they're different. People think they're dangerous, even though the mutants just want to hang out. Like, yes, some of them use their powers for evil, but the majority of them just want to exist. And Magneto, he had witnessed the Holocaust firsthand. So because of that, he already saw what unchecked hatred can do for a pursued group when you you focus and say okay they're the reason why any bad thing could and would happen then you mobilize a mob mentality against them and that's what the mutants typically fight against now that ends up also being against other evil mutants who you know try to murk them but for the most part the biggest oppression of the x-men is mankind honestly and um, as a matter of fact, and this I don't know if this was actually proven or not, but apparently Professor X, who was the leader of the X-Men, and Magneto, Eric Leshner, whatever you want to call him, who was the leader of the evil, quote unquote, brotherhood of evil mutants that really just wanted equality. They both wanted the same things, but their methods were different. So apparently Magneto's were based on Malcolm X, where, which was more like, by any means necessary, let's take him down. And Professor X was based on Martin Luther King, peaceful protest. We just want equality. Can you just like us? And I mean, I, this has never really been confirmed or denied, but it's it's one of the understandings or legends around in the whole thing. And so this 1990s cartoon debuted at a time where the 90s were, well, they were very, people like to say, oh, it's grunge and it was, you know, I mean, it was extreme marketing and it was, you know, rock and roll and it was, you know, teen angst. And that's true. But that could be said for any era. The 90s also had it came out of the 80s where there was this this political awareness about things that were going on. It started from like the Reagan era, the Bush era and the Clinton era. And so this show didn't shy away from 
any storylines because they're positioned where it's just a kid's show. So no one's paying attention. But the kids that were paying attention were seeing like, wow, this seems intense. I mean, even I'll even go one step further than, you know, the whole societal thing. The love triangle, I'll use the word love triangle very loosely here. The love triangle between Cyclops, Jean Grey, <laughs> get over that now. <laughs> Jean Grey. Could you imagine? This is a pivot. Could you imagine that they go into a, uh, a situation where, you know, someone's like, thank you, X-Men, for saving the day. Cyclops, Wolverine, so on and so on. And they get to Jean Grey and they're like, oh, I forgot your name. And they're like, it's just my name. And everyone's like, boo, shame on you. How'd you not know that? Shame. 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 What's, can you get that one guy saying shame out of here, please? Because he's, he's a distraction. Uh, also, this was a forum where the police were giving the X-Men an award. I don't know where that was going. But anyway, um, the love triangle was a big part of the X-Men cartoon where Wolverine, who had just joined the team, was in love with Jean Grey, who was dating Cyclops. And Wolverine was very aggressive about it. Like, there's a meme of Wolverine uh, laying on his bed, full costume for some reason, and he's holding a picture of Jean Grey. And in the actual cartoon, he pulls out one of his claws out of his fist, and he scratches the picture, and he tears off uh, Cyclops half, and he just looks at Jean Grey. Now, that's wildly creepy in 2023. In the 90s, it was also creepy. But again, we were kids watching this, so no adults even were aware of this storyline because what do I always say? Nobody was watching us. That's right. 90s kids were just raising themselves. Anyway, so um, a lot of the storylines, these mature themes were actually taken directly from the comics. Now, before I mentioned Chris Claremont, you know, wrote a lot of these stories alongside Jim Lee in the comics. And what the show would do was just lift the best ones. So you had things like Days of Future Past, which was about um, the X-Men going back in time to avert an event that would cause the end of the world. Catacombs and Dancing in the Dark, which is about the Molochs, who were a race of mutants that lived underground because some mutants could look human, but other ones could be disfigured or disformed like Beast and, and, uh, and other ones. And so they lived underground. It was about, you know, class and society, whatever. Uh, you had Welcome to Genosha, which was about mutants being used for slave labor. That was, a, that was a very heavy one. They had The Cure, which was about curing the mutant disease or the mutant gene. That would eventually be adapted in the movies also. But all these storylines were so well done, so well written, so well acted. It was awesome. And uh, Stanley, some of his storylines, which were a little, which not a little, they were always more superhero-y. Like he wasn't, he was, but he wasn't really delving into, you know, societal issues. So his would be more along the lines of like, um, introduce the juggernaut, which became a whole meme thing that I'm not going to go over because it was barely funny then and it's wildly irrelevant now. Enter Magneto, though which details Magneto's backstory, was based on Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Shout out to both of those legends. Rest in peace. Storyline. But real quick, uh, <laughs> I have to get into something that I've wanted a platform to discuss for a very long time. So ladies and gentlemen, we have rant time. Now, eventually, they would release superhero movies that are held to high standards now. Angela Bassett has an Academy Award nomination for Black Panther. Heath Ledger won an Academy Award for The Dark Knight. But back then, all they did was cherry pick, like, do the kids know this character? Does my son know this? Literally, the person who did the first Ninja Turtles movie 
her son and I ended up at a wedding together and uh, she, was the, she was the producer on it. And he was like, my mom walked in my room and would look at stuff that I asked her to buy me and be like, kids like this, do kids like this? And they would just make a movie based on that. Now think about that. A multi-million dollar movie based on the fact you walked in the kids room was like, something I know? Is that something they like? Is that something that they know? How much is this? So like superhero movies had just been bombing. Superman 2 and Superman 1 came out. I don't know why I did those numbers reverse, but anyway... And they were big in the 70s. And then the 80s and 90s, there weren't really, there weren't really much. And if they were, they were just bad. Like steel was garbage. Like they're just, I don't want to, I don't want to think about that time anymore because it doesn't exist. But the X-Men, truth be told, which came out in the 2000s, was actually a hit and it was actually good. The problem that I have with this is that The Matrix came out in 1999. And because of that, every single action movie, whether you're a superhero movie or a regular action movie, had to have black leather a club scene and silly fights. So, so the X-Men, instead of having their classic outfits, like, I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see James Marsden has the black, the black leather. Cause everything in the matrix was black leather. There's literally a scene in the matrix where someone has a gimp mask. And I was like, as a kid, I had no idea. Then when I got older, I was like, maybe the matrix was just BDSM. And I didn't realize also this is a clean podcast. So nobody Google that, but this is what Cyclops would have looked like, which is a bright blue, like Royal blue with like a yellow, weird strappy thing on him and a red X. And he's all like, I'm Cyclops in my son. No, that's Captain America and Marvel's Capcom. Whatever the point is the, these iconic costumes, Wolverine's yellow and black costume, which looks awesome. You know, rogues, green and yellow costume. They were not used in the movie because you had to make it black leather and try to make it sexy. Cause everything was sexy. Now the actor who played James Mars, James, <laughs> The actor played Cyclops is James Marsden. Yes, fine. He's a handsome dude. Absolutely. Them cheekbones, straight up. But he would have looked dope in an actually comic accurate outfit. But the comic book society or, or even like the, the, the nerd culture wasn't as big or strong as it is now. I mean, now it's sometimes annoying where, you know, it borderlines on just racist and misogynist. But at the time... There was a reverence and it was an acceptance to the whole community. And so when they changed the costumes into the black leather, this matrix black leather, the nerds couldn't say anything. They were talking to each other on message boards, but nobody paid attention to message boards. It wasn't until social media blew up where now you can have a thing where nerds are so powerful that they can have WB make an entire movie again, Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, because nerds are like, hey, we didn't like that. <laughs> All right, but uh, rant over, rant over. Yeah, but just to pick up something that I said in the rant, like studios were just cherry picking characters. I mean, now you're seeing these these fights and these wars to get them back. I mean, Sony has Spider-Man and Marvel needed him. So they had to do this whole thing where if Andrew Garfield's movie never flopped, we would still have, you know, Spider-Man movies made by Sony that are not that good, except for Spider-Man 2, you know. Universal owns the Hulk. Like they were literally just, I mean, WB owns all of their superheroes, like Superman, Batman, everyone, but all those movies are like hit or miss, you know, whatever. But Marvel has been trying for years because Fox, who made the X Men movies and the cartoon, also owned uh, the Fantastic Four. So they've been trying for years to get back their characters. But, and they got back, they got them all back recently because they just bought Fox because Disney is like, you know what? We bought Marvel. Marvel's like, can we get our other people back? And Disney's like, yeah, baby, whatever you want. Throws money at them. <laughs> Marvel's like, thank you. I, again, I think that's how the conversation goes. Anyway, um, 
they try to get their characters back, but this series actually happens because Marvel was licensing out their characters. So we wouldn't have this awesome X-Men series if they would have retained the rights because Marvel actually filed for bankruptcy in the 90s. So, you know, they weren't the powerhouse that they are today where there's Marvel Studios and the comics are constantly dominating and it's a completely different beast. But back then, it was like we had to do what we had to do to stay alive. And um, so, you know, you even had like Capcom would make a fighting series, Marvel versus Capcom, X-Men versus Street Fighter was the first one where they licensed out, you know, their characters to be in a fighting game against, you know, Street Fighter characters. You also had side-scrolling X-Men beat-em-ups. As a matter of fact, X-Men The Clone Wars for Sega Genesis is hands down the best X-Men video game ever. I didn't want to hear it. You had toy lines. I mean, you can't see this because you're on a podcast, but next to me is my is my stand or a it's like a statue of Cyclops because he's the best running along like a mountain or something. I don't know. But I, I bought this because I used to buy all the X-Men toys back in the 90s. And yes, I bought them. I had a job. They were called chores. Kids are not going to do chores these days. I could break up my son and pick up his toys. Anyway, but yeah, but so, so it made the X-Men even more popular because their stuff was everywhere. But Marvel didn't own a lot of it. Like, yeah, they got paid because licensing rights and fees and stuff like that. But it wasn't as concentrated as it is now, except for this cartoon. The 90s X-Men cartoon was so popular with my generation that they would just focus on these particular characters, like, you know, Cyclops and everyone who I mentioned, because those ones that everyone recognized and those were the ones that everyone knew from the show. They even launched a Spider-Man cartoon, which was going to be the focus of this topic, but I'm going to wait until the Overlord agrees to do it with me so we can go through his bin of toys and I can... I was going to say mock, but I'd really just be jealous to start playing with them, to be honest. And the Spider-Man cartoon spun off of this and they didn't spin off, but it it was launched at the same time. And they did crossover episodes with X-Men because X-Men was so popular. Spider-Man, I believe, ran longer, but X-Men was more popular. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was awesome. Okay, I'm about to put a button on this because I've been going semi long. Um, And how do we end this? Why did I like it? Because literally as an outsider, Seeing the mutants and mutant kind attempt to fight for equality, even before I knew why I felt the way that I felt, was awesome. And plus, I love Cyclops. Does it still hold up? Well, they relaunched it and it's coming out under the moniker of X-Men 97. And I cannot wait. I'm, I'm so stoked for this show to come out. It's insane. And would I watch it now? Yeah, I watch it like every other day. <laughs> like I still watch the show. Also, why am I answering like you guys actually asked me the question and I'm like, <laughs> you silly fools. I know there's a whole lot of things that we usually do with like baby birds and feeding and da 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 But this was something that I was so excited about and I had so much information about that I wanted to get to the bulk of it. But anyway, all right, let's wrap this up. It's been 20 minutes. We are four minutes over time. I have been the nefarious Mike A. Sims, which I realized I did not say. You can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Mike A. Sims. You can uh, also watch me stream usually around midnight, midnight mic, the mic stream, whatever you want to call it. I change the name every single day. Oh, follow us on at People's Media on Instagram to see all the awesome shows that we have out there. Grandmother, Puberty Podcast, What Now, all that good stuff. Uh, Yes, you've been fantastic. And I will see you on the flip side of humanity.